from the Abraham Lincoln Radio Studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show. So we got on this topic. I, I kind of hesitated to bring it up, but uh, we've gotten a bunch of texts and comments on it of different kinds. So I was... Um, Taken in a, uh, a Reddit thread yesterday. I don't even remember how I got sent that direction. You know, you go down rabbit holes. There's a YouTube video. Then it links to this. Then next thing you, whatever. Um, and you're reading up on stuff, but it was people who is, who think maybe we've crossed a line with this attention toward suicide with the numbers going into ridiculous territory over the last couple of years. Number of people killing themselves, particularly young people. These, uh, deaths of desperation that we call them um that maybe we've gone too far in that people can't come forward and talk about how they're feeling or what they've been contemplating because they're just there's there there are so many machinations in in already in process at schools at workplaces and families uh all over the place to immediately go into um Oh my God, they're thinking about killing themselves. We need to react now, now. We need this doctor. We need that medicine. We need this needs to be written down on this piece of paper. And people are scared to come forward about it, and it might be causing more. I don't have any idea if that's true or not. I thought it was an interesting topic, though. I could see that being true, because this is the era of the big official response. People don't solve things for themselves. They don't have casual conversations in a, like in a bureaucracy or a school or whatever. Things have to be done according to the rules. And if the rules are now, you know, go to DEFCON 1, if somebody says, you know, sometimes I have suicidal thoughts, I could see where people would hesitate because maybe they just want an ear. Maybe they just want a friendly, uh, you know, person to chat with. Right. To let their feelings out a little bit. And some of the comments we got on that, and by the way, you can comment if you want to. Uh, to uh, text line is 415-295-KFTC. A friend of mine texted, I would have been totally in a mental institution uh, with what I was telling people back when I was younger. Yikes. Um, compared to now, and he, I, I happen to know this person who's got uh, kids who have been in this uh, situation themselves, so he has a pretty good idea about the way society handled it then and now. Um, some of the other comments, and, and just as an aside, I, I'm a big fan of the whole uh, getting really, really angry at us when we say something that you think uh, is incorrect. And uh, bringing new statistics to it, and, and and you know, calling us names. I just, I don't, I don't know, <laughs> I don't know why you can't say here. Here's something you might want to uh, consider, as opposed to you stupid idiot. Don't you know that ten percent of blah 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 blah? Just an interesting tact to take when you're having a conversation. Yeah, I, I'm kind of curious, uh, you folks, and I get plenty of those emails. I I go through the emails. Jack goes through the test text. Does does that work for you in real life? Do you find that a uh, useful technique if you hear something and you think you can add perhaps an alternate perspective to the discussion? Hey, stupid idiot, why don't you do your research? I just wonder, I wonder how that goes for you in real life. <laughs> I'll do this one before I get to the, uh, the the counter. I totally agree about the you can't come forward about saying anything about wanting to hurt yourself or if you feel like ending it because you're uh, you'll end up in some crazy house somewhere and you lose your job and you can't own a gun in the future and blah, 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 blah. So then we got this pushback from somebody in the industry. Totally wrong about the 5150 process. 5150, in addition to being the title of a fantastic Van Halen album, is when you are committed by the state for being uh, a threat to harm yourself or others. And at that point, you lose a lot of freedoms, as long as they think you're a threat of that. 
Uh, in fact, they can lock you up. They just plain lock you up against your will, against your parents' will, against everybody's will. Um, I run crisis in four local counties, and our hold rate is low. Our agency does a thousand evaluations a month, and our hold rate is sixteen to thirty percent. Our clinicians work hard to go least restrictive treatment possible. Fake news. Please don't discourage people from reaching out. Um, I wasn't discouraging people from reaching out. I presented this as a, here's interesting, I read this on Reddit yesterday, what do you think? Not as a conclusion of any kind. I just thought it was interesting. But admire your belligerent tone. Um, also, eight, 16 to 30%. Okay, if you take that high end, so 30% of people who go so far as to reach out to the hospital end up committed on a 5150, which means you've lost all rights. And then I don't know where that, I don't know how that shows up in your uh, your paperwork at that point. I don't have any idea on that. Does that keep you from getting a gun in the future if you've ever been 5150? I don't, don't know, know. The, I don't know the answer to that. No. Um, if you do know, feel free to text um, 415. As belligerently as possible. <laughs> 415-295-KFTC. But, um, yeah, I just think that's... I just think that's interesting. I, I Kind of in the same way that as we pay more attention to bullying, I feel like there's more bullying in schools than there was when I was a kid in their attempts to deal with it, all the PSAs and everything like that. I wonder if we're not creating more problems by making it such a, oh, my God, she said she's thinking of hurting herself. For, if I remember correctly, I'd have to relook this up, but if I remember from some psychology class back in college, it's the most common thing a human being can, people think about that. All Every human being thinks about that at some point at least dabbles with the idea. Most people never getting as far as ideation, which is like coming up with a time and method. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's very common for people to think about it. And uh, if you mention that to someone now, a lot of things get rolling that maybe you don't want rolling. And then the person who's actually a danger um, doesn't get to like talk it out with somebody or whatever. I don't know. Like I said, I don't know. I'm not drawing a conclusion. Hmm. Anybody, no, I don't know either. Anybody got any comment on that? George Will was uh, talking about uh, the current state of politics and um, and uh, how we got where we are and the direction things are going and how pessimistic or optimistic we should be and all that sort of stuff. <clears throat> but I thought this was pretty interesting. He said this a certain thing is the most radical thing we've done in 240 years. That would be since the beginning. And uh, that's a pretty strong statement. And he's not a he's not a he is absolutely not a hyperbole guy. George Will, if you don't know his act. the opposite, the opposite. And it's this whole equity thing. This movement toward equity as opposed to equality of opportunity is the most radical thing we've done in 240 years. The country seems to be screaming that direction. Joe Biden is leading the charge. George Will actually said, I don't know that Joe Biden knows the difference between equality and equity, the way it's being presented. He said, but the people around him sure do. And they're the ones that are pushing all this stuff. This push toward making sure everybody gets an equal outcome or just going with the flat out statement that if you end up with an unequal outcome, something bad has happened, probably racist, and we need to adjust for that would be the most radical change to the structure of it's a, of our society. It's the complete opposite of what the entire country was founded on. The entire idea of America goes out the window if you're going to go with equity. And you hear that a, a, a word on lips 
from people constantly as if it's just, you know, it's just another good thing to do. I like planting trees and making sure babies get fed and equity. Wait a second. Wait a second. What was that third one that is going to turn the entire country completely upside down from from the founding? I don't think many people understand what equity means and how different it is from equality. Uh, it's funny, as you were speaking, a news alert flashed across my phone from USA Today with yet another one of their woke, woke headlines about institutions and institutional racism and how it has to be overturned. The, the great thing about equity from the point of view of a would-be dictator is you use a moral argument to make the case that it is okay for me to fix the game because we owe a historical debt to various people of color, and the list gets very, very long. I mean, LGBTQ, etc. Women versus uh, men. Exactly. The whole intersectionality thing, transgender people, whatever. You can come up with all sorts of examples or, or areas in which it is good and right for you to fix the game and take control of the way the game is played. The idea of a neutral referee is now seen as perpetuating an evil system. We must now have a referee who decides who wins and who loses in every game. And again, as I said, as a would-be dictator, if you can convince the populace that, yeah, we really need to grant these powers, oh, that's pretty useful. I'll tell you what, I'm going to keep my eye on it. I mean, I was already, uh, you know, anti and uh, hip to it and, and concerned about it. But if uh, no less than George Will says it's the biggest, most radical idea making its way in 240 years it's it's worth keeping our eye on because they did that is the what can flow out of that if it catches on among the young and uh and sticks around is is, is freaking frightening well it is a, a pivot point in the history of the country it's it is a uh i hate to say life or death because it sounds so hyperbolic but it is either a disease that will be resisted and gotten rid of, or it will infect us and we will become terribly sick as a society. Yeah, working hard to have an e- equal playing field so everybody has an equal opportunity is uh, absolutely uh, imperative, and I'm all behind that, and we haven't always had that, obviously. Um, but working toward that is a good idea. But the big difference between the American Revolution and the French Revolution was the difference between equality, uh, well, really the difference between equality and equity before the word was being thrown around that way. The French Revolution believed everybody should have equal stuff. We should have equal outcomes. Well, that doesn't work. It's impossible. The things a government has to do to end up with equal outcomes requires jailings and murders and all kinds of horrible things. Oh, yeah. It's, it's suffocating and murderous. Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You don't have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts. I'm uh, regularly claiming, if you had to bet now, bet this, I'd bet that, how would you bet? And I never do bet, because I'm not really a gambling guy, And uh, but I would have. Nothing ventured, nothing gained. I, mm. I absolutely would have bet anybody a couple of months back, heck no, we're not going to participate in the Winter Olympics in Beijing, which are coming up in January. We're now just two and a half months out. Is like that the, right? It's like yeah. 10 days into January it starts. Wow. I would have bet that no way the United States or even most of the Western world uh, 
doesn't boycott the Olympics. No way it can happen. A senior official with the International Olympic Committee said today, we have few options to press China on its human rights record ahead of the 2022 Games. Our job is to ensure that there are, there's no human rights abuses in respect to the conduct of the Games within the National Olympic Committee or within the Olympic movement. And so as are, long as no skiers are enslaved, it's okay. Yeah, as long as they don't force one of the ice skaters to get an abortion or forcibly impregnate them, gang rape them like they're doing with all the Uyghurs, then I guess that's okay. And, um, you know, that's the Olympic Committee's view of it. And I think, I don't know. I, I still, I still find it really hard to believe that the United States is going to participate, but we haven't pulled the plug yet. It's getting pretty late. Well, I'd say every, virtually every aspect of our relationship with China is going to come down to greed versus uh, doing what's right. And just remember this example, which one won out. They have slaves, they have concentration camps, systematic rape, murder, it's a genocide, you call it whatever you want, and everybody's still showing up, and it's still going to be brought to you by Coca-Cola and whatever other sponsors. So, watching the Summer Olympics, which was just a couple of months ago, I remember watching the opening ceremonies, and when Taiwan walked in, they walk under the flag of... Taiwan, the the territory of the People's Republic of China or something. It mentions in the them walking into the Olympic ceremony that they're part of China. So the Olympic Committee has been going along with that. And we're going to have our athletes march in the Olympics in Beijing, China, with the crowd cheering like crazy as they claim that Taiwan belongs to them. Wow. That's unbelievable. While they have a million or more slaves, while they're flying fighter jets into Taiwan's airspace on a weekly basis. Right. They get to showcase China to the world with our help. Now, I remember back in my younger days in the 1976 and 80, uh, that, that period where the, the Soviets and, and, and the U.S. were boycotting each other. We boycotted I, in 80. It was Carter's decision because the Russians had invaded Afghanistan. Yes, ironic. Uh, anyway, I remember <laughs> I was thinking at the time, and a lot of a lot of pretty reasonable thinkers at the time said, "Look, this this is not good. Let's let's get together and have these sporting contests every every four years at the time, um, and and let's let's relate to each other. Let's see each other. Let's cheer our athletes. Better to remain in contact than do all this boycott stuff." Jimmy Carter himself has said recently he regrets that decision. He doesn't think it did any good to keep our athletes from competing in the Moscow Olympics in 1980. Right. At the same time, though, everybody says going to Berlin in 1936 was a terrible idea. Hitler got to uh, show off Germany and the might of the Aryan race. Jesse Owens, et cetera, et cetera. I don't Nazi think, Germany. I don't think they're apples and apples. Uh, uh, Russia invading Afghanistan is not the same as China having a million slaves and uh, threatening Taiwan, a democracy. I, I just don't see him as the same level of problem. I think that's a legit point. At the same time, there has been no serious discussion of a boycott. No. Nope, there has not. No. That'll be something. I, I just... Their opening ceremonies, I think people, a lot of people remember this. Their opening ceremonies in Beijing in 2016? What year was that? Somebody look it up. That was just unbelievable. I mean, everybody declared it the greatest opening ceremonies ever. It was a major effort by the Communist Party to let the world know we are a for real country. I mean, Mm -hmm. look at this. And it was unbelievably impressive because they can spend as much money as they want. They're dang near the biggest economy in the world. 
And if somebody says, I don't want to jump in and out of boxes, they'll say, well, go to a concentration camp. Are we going to let them do that again? Put on this just unbelievable show yes. with, with a whole bunch of money. Some of it they've stolen from the United States and the Western world by stealing all kinds of uh, proprietary information and all that sort of stuff. Sure. Yeah, a huge amount of it. Surely. Yeah, that's the plan. Obviously, we're not going to send the president. We're going to send uh, Kamala Harris to sit there in the stands. I wonder if uh, Kim Jong-un's skinny, mean-faced sister's going to be there. <laughs> you remember? Was it NBC who said some people are calling her North Korea's Ivana Trump, Ivanka Trump? God, one of the dumbest sentences ever uttered in the English language Korea's, going back thousands of years. Korea's mean-faced, his mean-faced sister. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but anyway, what was that? China, boycott, uh, but the I'm sure the... Network lamos are even now carefully combing uh, their verbiage to figure out, all right, we got to say something about that. There has been controversy over China's treatment of the Uyghur people. China is asshole. You know, blah, 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 a couple more words, and they'll say, but now back to the biathlon. Yeah, I think they'll, yeah, they'll soften touch it. on it, but weakly. Critics say it amounts to uh, imprisonment. Ah, critics say. But Chinese, Great dodge. But Chinese officials say it's merely a re-education. Right. And they'll go with that. Now back to the long jump. Armstrong and Getty. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. But resist, we must. The Armstrong and Getty Show. Mailbag. Note from Charlie here. Guys, as to the question of is inflation transitory? Hey, uh, life is transitory, President Brandon. (laughs) Wow. That's a good point. Everything's transitory now that you mention it. The sun is transitory. Let's go, Brandon. All right. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Robert writes, love you guys. Love you. I remember the feds invoking wage and price freezes during previous eras of inflation. Is this administration desperate enough and feeling powerful enough to use executive orders to do that again? I I don't know. I gotta believe the courts would intervene, but uh, that's a good question. Not really up on executive order inflation law, minutiae. Got an idea for a new t-shirt, writes Pete. Just sitting here minding my own business, having a late dinner. That's interesting. Uh, Gavin Newsom, the lunkhead governor of California, is not a fan of the late dinner. He's no. more, more, you know, you're, you're. We had an early dinner. That, that's more, that has, that's his style. Uh, just sitting here dinner minding my own business. Events. That's right. And had a great idea for new AG t-shirt just in time for the holidays. Here it is. What he suggests. Wokeism is fascism pretending to be enlightenment. Wow. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. Yeah. I like it. I like it. I don't know about the t-shirt, but just as a uh, sentiment, as a phrase, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. He says, uh, if you guys use it, all I ask is a free T-shirt for my sweetheart and me and maybe one of Jack's goats because my yard is a wreck. Wokeism is fascism pretending to be the Enlightenment. That's good. Or Enlightenment in general. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I found this so interesting. Ryan from Houston writing. Guys, Joy Reid and others on MSNBC have basically declared that the Klan is now in charge in Virginia. Others claim Manchin and Cinema are holding back votes that will save the country and save millions of people. Not to mention the soulless Republicans who are closer to Nazis than Americans. Two corrupt politicians lining their pockets while millions will be hurt, untold numbers will die. Sounds like drastic matters need to be taken. 
if the Klan is really running a state, should we just sit back and wait patiently to vote them out? You don't want to wait to vote the Klan out. You don't negotiate with Nazis. And his theme is, I'm going to summarize here, isn't this absolutely advocating violence or, or trying to whip it up? Uh, God, I would certainly think so. If your response to the Klan running a state is not uh, to try to get them out of there. Well, this seems to me, I mean, if, if there is not a crazy person who would hear that and go shoot up another Republican baseball practice or something, uh, the, the, uh, you know, if you believe what's being pitched on MSNBC, for instance, you almost have a responsibility to take extreme measures. It's so irresponsible. And they get a pass so much from so much of their liberal media. Although Matt Taibbi has just been beating the hell out of MSNBC lately. Uh, he considers that an embarrassment because they are. And then this from Al Anonymous. Guys, isn't it true that Native Americans didn't have a concept of land ownership? Isn't that what we've been taught? So that's true. How could someone take something from them that wasn't owned in the first place? Wouldn't the same hold true that when holding a conference, you need to acknowledge anyone who was in the venue before you? They didn't own it. They just occupied it before you. That's funny. You're in the big, uh, you know, the uh, the Velvet Room there at the Ramada Inn. We're here in the room where last week it was the insurance convention, and the week before that it was the boaters convention. First, we need to acknowledge that Herbalife occupied this room, <laughs> followed by exactly the boat accessories convention of 1984, <laughs> followed by the Cub Scout Jamboree of later in 1984, and then six and a half hours later you can start your meeting. Well, as uh, John McWhorter has pointed out uh, in interviews promoting his fabulous new book, Black Racism, and we have a clip that we're getting ready for you. He points out that a lot of this stuff is not meant to help anybody in any way. Not for a second does anybody sane think that it's going to be of aid to anyone. It's merely signaling that I know racism exists, and look at me, I'm a good person. That's all it is. Uh, you know, as I uh, probably distastefully uh, described it Friday, it's it's self-pleasurement in front of others. That was distasteful. It's Jeffrey Tubening. That flew on a Friday. I don't expect that kind of talk on a Monday. Certainly um, not. I was amazed at how many texts, tweets, emails we got from people say, oh, yeah, my company's been doing this for the last year. Wow. I, yeah. I had no idea. You know, Jack, when you're broadcasting from home, you probably should have acknowledged. I need to acknowledge that uh, this home was owned by the Jones family before me and before that, the McGillicuddy's. Well, I'm in a had four in a, beautiful children. <laughs> I was in a rental, so I'd have to go through a whole bunch of people. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, And then there was some jerk named Smith who didn't pay his rent uh, between April and June of 1998. Anyway, moving along. Uh, Comatose Timmy uh, writes, uh, hey, uh, guys, um, da, 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 the, the whole story that critical race theory isn't taught in school, like you guys, it's nothing but a semantics game, very much like the we never funded game of research, uh, gain of function research defense. There's a lot of that going on lately. Full-throated, emphatic denial because something doesn't fit a very precise technical definition, even though it does by any reasonable standard. Uh, Tim Poole, philosopher, online wag, uh, likes to call it critical race applied principles. 
I think James Lindsay calls it critical race praxis. While not theoretically fitting the law school definition of critical race theory, it's teaching the exact same principles by another name, by teachers who have been trained to expert levels in CRT, but you already knew that. Uh, it's a good point. I like, cr- well, critical race praxis is nice. It's a little highfalutin in the college campus. See, that means essentially in practice, right? Uh, effectively. Critical race effectively. Thank you for the point. Speaking of great points made, Tammy writes... Wait a minute. As I caught up on last week's chunks of the show I missed, that's right. If you ever miss a portion of the show, you can go to wherever podcasts are downloaded or go to armstrongandgetty.com and get Armstrong and Getty on demand. It's the radio show repackaged as a podcast. Anyway, uh, she says, as I was catching up, I was shocked to hear Jack saying, soup sounded good. It was during final thoughts. Alex mentioned he brought a coworker soup. Jack said it sounded good and was upset people were bringing in soup when he was stuck at home. I pray it's just COVID fog, not that Jack has been lying to us all these years. What's next? We learn that he has eaten Taco Bell? No, soup does make me angry, and I'm generally not a soup person, so I must have been quite ill, and I was. It's the noises people make, right? Unlike Aaron Rodgers, I was vaccinated, and I still got sick. Yeah, yeah. Uh, How much time do we have, Michael? Okay, JT, always intriguing, writes... Don't be surprised when the New York Times or the WAPO appears to be posting damaging info to Democrats. Instead, ask yourself why they might be doing so at this point. Take the New York Times article about how the Build Back Venezuelan bill was actually closer to $4 trillion than $1.75. Clearly, they got word that Pelosi was at the end of her rope and ready to hang the far left by their own petard. By publishing the damning details of the Francification bill, the Times put pressure on the far-left progressives by making the bill even less attractive than it already was. It also explains why Pelosi put back in the paid family leave. She was trying to make the bill less appealing to general voters mm. while making it appear, appear more appealing to the far-left progressive caucus. Over the weekend, the progressives blanked mission accomplished. I'm not sure the mission's been accomplished for America, though, JT. I am afraid that the Dems, knowing they are beyond doomed in the next election, are going to jam this down the American throat. Uh, Phoenix Steve writes, Gents, Greta was at the Scotland gas event. She stated that she wanted Britain to apologize for the Industrial Revolution. What a troll to expand her brand. I imagine the Queen saying, uh, Sorry, my dear, for pulling billions out of poverty and feeding the planet. I do apologize. Then he uh, sent along a chart apropos of, well, not nothing, but of uh, a completely different uh, topic. In 1980, uh, using the inflation method we use now, we'd already hit 15%. What? Nineteen oh, in the nineteen eighty inflation method, we've already hit fifteen percent, almost matching nineteen eighty, um, in which inflation was rampant right before Reagan took office. Um, because I think it was fairly recently they started separating out fuel and food. Okay, it might have been recently, twenty years ago or forty years ago. I don't know. Right. Um, but uh, because they're so volatile, they can be misleading. But I would say, particularly in the case of food, there's no sign of those uh, price spikes going away. No. I just burnt my tongue on my coffee. I hate when I do that. Really, Sorry really hate that. when I do that. Yeah. yeah. I'll do that on coffee uh, now and again. It's uh, pizza that gets me. Mm. Mm. Can't let it cool off because you're too hungry. Because I'm a glutton. Mm. Yeah. Uh, it's the sauce that gets you right behind your top teeth, right up there. Oh, that hurts. Wow. Moving along. Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. <laughs> you sassy little thing, you. 
Uh, Kevin from Placerville uh, pointed this out, uh, and I think it's a great point talking about uh, the COVID. Uh, and he's he's referring back to my story last week, where I was unable to see my doctor for a, my my uh, my annual physical every six months physical due to overcautious uh, COVID policies. In in my case, I had a cold, documented a cold. I've been tested multiple times, but because I was sniffly, they oh no no you can't come in don't Run come in. Don't even drive by. It's too dangerous. And it was only because I had a high blood pressure cuff and decided to take my own BP that I realized my blood pressure had gotten out of control over the last, like, eight months Hmm. since I'd last consistently checked it. It was so good so often I figured, why am I checking this anymore? Um, So anyway, because I had the sniffles, they wouldn't see me. And, And Kevin mentions... Why are fully vaccinated hospitals refusing in-person care to patients, asymptomatic or not, due to possible exposure? These policies are counterproductive, will cause countless preventable deaths. There will be millions of missed or late diagnoses around the country due to policies like this, and we're just beginning to see the downstream negative effects. Uh, I would agree. My my wife actually has a friend, I just became aware of this story yesterday, who had a severe upper respiratory infection. It was not COVID. She was tested. Absolutely not COVID. She could not get in to physically see a doctor and be treated. Finally, her doctor reached out to her via email and said, look, call the office. Tell him you got foot pain. Tell him you got back spasms. Tell him anything wow. you want. Get in here and see me. Wow. Interesting. So I have said in the last couple of weeks that COVID makes liars out of a lot of us, mm. especially if you got kids. You tell me you're not sending your kid to school with a runny nose or a sore throat or something like that that you think's a cold this time of year. Come on. You're going to keep your kid home every time they've got any cold-like symptom that could be a COVID-like symptom? Of course not. For weeks at a time? Because if you do that, you're immediately committed to like 10 to 14 days out of school. Right. Quarantining. And then everybody you've been around and every kid that's been around them, same thing with going to the doctor. I have lied about what I think was allergies at the time so I could go into the doctor's office. Otherwise, I'm not going to be able to go in. Right, right. And who knows? I mean, like blood pressure, for instance. Maybe you know this, maybe you don't. It can lead to serious, traumatic, deadly medical problems. How many people in America are not having their blood pressure taken at all because they can't get in to physically see their health care providers because of COVID paranoia? I swear. Moving along, totally different topic here. That's the beauty of mailbag, Jack. I don't know if you've ever noticed. We uh, careen from fascinating topic to topic. Awesome. Anonymous here uh, is a, a nurse, uh, beautiful uh, Northern California, lot doing ch- uh, chatting with a coworker. Her 20-year-old daughter came home, currently in, enrolled in the medical assistant program, local community college, shared with us that during her classes today, their teacher presented them with a website to apply for the CalFresh program. This is the uh, food stamps for California. That they named CalFresh. Yes. To try to hide the fact that it's... Food stamps. Sounds like a bistro, but it's uh, welfare. It's a class uh, with uh, ages ranging from late teens to adulthood. Presented to them to apply for CalFresh, whether they believe they'll qualify or not, whether they need it or not. It'll help us get a better idea of those students that we are serving. To top it off, every student was offered a $50 Visa gift card just to apply. Fill wow. out the application. Get a... So the government is now bribing people to get on welfare. With your money. With your tax money. Armstrong and Getty. Armstrong, he's Joe Getty. We're the Armstrong and Getty Show. Are you tired of gulping down the lying filth of the mainstream media? Yeah, we are too. We try to tell you the truth every single day. Gulping down lying filth. 
Wow. Nobody wants to sound dumb. Our goal is to help you not sound dumb. We'll inform you, and it'll be fun at the same time. You have to choose between entertainment and information. Combine them both with the Armstrong and Getty Show. Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Four episodes available every day via the iHeartRadio app or wherever you download your podcasts. So here's where we end our careers. Oh, no, not geez. really. Not really. Not really. The U.S. Navy launched the USNS Harvey Milk in San Diego on Saturday, named after the first openly gay man elected to public office in California. And he was a Korean War veteran, volunteered, served in the military. Mm -hmm. He was dishonorably discharged because they asked him about his sexual activity and he wouldn't answer or whatever. Um, and, And... You could portray him as a victim of anti-gay prejudice uh, back in his day. And all that's fine in terms of naming a ship after him. I don't know that his naval career had any real distinction in terms of being a a good naval uh, officer or sailor or or a leader of men or anything like that. I, I just I don't even know. No, no, um, the him getting a ship named after him seems to me to be completely a, this is how okay we are with gays in the military now. Yeah, it's a giant woke gesture yeah. to gays. My problem with the man is that he had a history of, of grooming, seducing, and, and molesting minor boys. Harvey Milk, very famous, is the first openly gay, you know, uh, uh, elected official in America in San Francisco. He was assassinated, but they always leave out of the fact that he was not assassinated because he was gay. They always just let you jump to that conclusion, but that's not why he was assassinated. It was a personal beef. Yeah. Anyway, uh, there's a famous biography of him, The Mayor of Castro Street, The Life and Times of Harvey Milk, in which the author, Randy Schultz, makes clear that he had a predilection for teenage boys. He would find troubled teenage boys, runaways. He would feed them booze and drugs, coerce them into sexual acts. And uh, and, and one, 25-year-old Jack Lira, ended up hanging himself from Harvey Mills, uh, Milk's back porch oh my God. in 1978. Now, we know personally of sexual predators of this sort who target troubled teenage boys... Uh, we may have even worked with one in the past, and who ruin lives, who seduce, drug, and rape for their own pleasure without regard to the damage they do. It does horrible damage and still, to these kids. It's still going on. It's amazing. That that seems like, to me, it's the last... Uh, uh, the the last holdout of not waking up to modernity around this whole Me Too issue mm-hmm. is the adult gay men and underage boys. Teenage boys, yeah. 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 You know, Milo Yiannopoulos talked about this, and he said, well, there's kind of a thing in the gay community where kids realize they're gay, they don't know what to do, who to turn to, whatever, and they find an older guy who kind of tutors them and lets them know it's okay, blah, blah, blah. He got murdered for that. Murdered for discussing it without screaming outrage about its existence at the time, because he's conservative. And because, you know, he's, he's granted, he was a provocateur and he provoked people. But you remember, he tried to describe that situation and was absolutely canceled for it, flayed for it. Conceivably, now, there's no consent if somebody's a minor, according to every law in the land. Right. It's right. Now, 
Now, if there's a 19-year-old teenage boy and a 17-year-old teenage boy, that's a different thing. That's a different thing completely. But to overlook a grown-ass man in his 30s and his 40s, seducing teenage boys, drugging them, loading them with alcohol, coercing them into having sex acts, and some of them kill themselves or become hopeless drug addicts, to celebrate that by naming a ship after that person, that's overlooking an awful lot. Can you point out to me a parallel? Well, certainly if you had it the same story, but it was heterosexual sex, some 40-year-old guy uh, sexing up high school girls, you're not going to get a ship named after you. No. He was also an enormous supporter of uh, of Jim Jones and the uh, the Jonestown cult. He praised the cult over and over again, including after the mass suicide. He said it was a great experiment that didn't work. I don't know. Maybe it did. I just, that is how far people will suspend their reasonableness and usual standards to make that sort of gesture. Did the guy also do some good things, some really good things for gay rights? Of course he did. It's been well documented. But it just shocks me that that sort of thing is uh, just overlooked in the name of celebrating something or other. Armstrong and Getty.